This is Donnie Tuttle, the Sell Anywhere trainer, coach, and practitioner. Welcome to the only podcast designed for the remote sales professional and the remote leader, helping you live with more joy, more freedom, and more productivity. We believe that your talent is not limited to your zip code and that you can build the life that you want while selling from anywhere. Liz Simpson, welcome to the show, woman. Before you tell us who you are, Liz, tell us, what do you love? Wow. Well, Donnie, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Gosh, um, I love life and the pursuit of freedom and trying to get everything that's in me come out of me and manifest before my time on earth is done. Like, I just have a passion for life. Ooh, okay. So um, I, I love the fact that you, that you went there. The idea is that all of us have so many things inside of us, right? And the world desperately needs what's on the inside of us to be on the outside of us. People need to hear our song. And Liz, you've done a lot of things. As, as I'm reading through your bio, as, as we connected on LinkedIn, it's just like, like there could be not just a movie, there could be a trilogy at least <laughs> so far. And you're not that old. But, um, but tell me, like, how do you connect what you do to what you love? Because I know you're doing some really cool things out there. Yeah, you know, the biggest thing for me really comes to self-actualization and freedom. And so for me, it's been finding my own journey of self-awareness and then helping other people to self-actualize. And so for a while, you know, when I was in sales, it was through, you know, let me help you solve your problems and let me be a good listener and let's have a healthy relationship. And then for a while, it was helping people with emotional and um, challenges. And then I came to a point where I realized self-awareness without financial resources is also limiting. So now it's trying to marry the two of help, helping people have healthy relationships with themselves and others, as well as to what I say, secure the bag. Because with more resources, then we can give more from our overflow and have more freedom. That's kind of how these crazy dots connect in my mind. <laughs> yes, yes, I love it. I always say productivity through purpose. You're not really going to have one without the other, are you? No, no, I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> so, and, and so right now I know you do a lot of things. You write, you speak, and I want to hear maybe one of the things that kicked you um, off into this world because of, of, of where you currently serve people in. And, and so I want to get to the book and, and, and really what sparked your book in a moment. But you help agency owners, right, and freelancers to go win more big money, business clients. Correct. Absolutely. So I work with business leaders to help them consistently win more business. And so I really believe in the marriage of sales and marketing in today's day and age, and also shoring up your sales or business development skill set, whatever you want to call it, to be more comfortable with that language. But at the end of the day, it's helping them get those resources because far too many small business owners have limited amounts of cash flow as well as a new business pipeline. Mm. And you really, it's like, <laughs> we talk about the idea of purpose. Um, that's at the top of the pyramid. I think it was Freud that said, it's hard for a man with a toothache to be in love. And yeah. if, you're, if you're in business and you don't have cash flow, if you don't have 
sales, you have a toothache. You can't be in love. Absolutely agree. So what, like, okay, COVID-19 break here, right? We all have this new reality. And uh, we were talking a little bit about this, I think a week or so ago when we first connected. And, you know, the, the, the truth is, is there is, the wind has changed, right? At least for now, and, and maybe even, you know, some things, um, you know, for the future. And by the wind, I mean, like, what are you going to fill your sails with to get more sell, sales, um, yeah. right? How have you helped people to adjust in this scenario? What have you seen happening both in sales and in marketing and in serving and in business relationships? Yeah, absolutely. So as far as what I teach, it's one of those moments where people are probably seeing some of the things that you and I have been teaching for years are now becoming non-negotiable. So as, as the wind has shifted, it has not changed what I teach. It's just what I teach has become more and more paramount. Um, my business has always been a remote digital business. My business has always been uh, rooted in the principles of we have to learn how to leverage relationships and build relationships in a digital ecosystem. Um, you cannot be a savvy business owner in 2020 and use the excuse that you're not digitally savvy. That's It's like to be a good business owner and to be digital savvy are just synonyms in today's day and age. So you can no longer hold on to that crutch. Um, sales and marketing must be married. Um, you can you don't have the resources to waste marketing spend on initiatives that you can't track your client acquisition costs to or that don't roll up to um, new clients coming in the door. Um, no matter how comfortable you are, you need some type of mechanism that's continually bringing in a new business pipeline just th so that you have that security. So it doesn't really shift what I teach. It's just... Um, making it more paramount and unfortunately in addition to now continuing to teach that um it's just holding really a sacred space for my clients who are sometimes like just really hurting i have some clients who are in industries that at this point um are solid and, and they're more just concerned about how long will this last and will their good you know grace last for long but i have some clients where i'm jumping on calls and it's just devastation um and I used to coach trauma survivors uh, some time ago, and some of these calls just are really reminiscent of that, of just small business owners hurting. So um, mm -hmm. to answer your question, not much of what I do has changed. Um, it's just really being, um, holding a space for my clients who are going through some difficult times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you said something there that um, really kind of set off the little light bulbs in my head. And you're just like, it's, it's about building relationships and leveraging relationships. And I will say this, I have, I have my people, it's like, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to reach out to anyone, reach out to the ones that love you and you love them back. And, and I mean that in a, in a personal sense, but in a business sense too, right? The ones that are your biggest fans, the ones that you're working with, what can you give? What are they going through? How can you be there? Be there as a human. And I believe right now, Liz, that this, this today is the age of the innovator. Yes. And it, it is the marketplace of the relationship creator. The sharks are gone. I don't see them doing anything except for maybe some advertising on Facebook or like you know, some, some of your platforms. They're, they're, they're advertising, but I don't, I don't see them doing anything out there that's of, a, of deep, meaningful impact. 
And the crazy thing, I, I had a Zoom meeting with some other individuals who are heavily into LinkedIn, which is one of my favorite platforms. And when we were talking about innovation, the interesting thing is one of the most innovative things that a business leader can do is to truly let their personal brand reflect who they are. Um, Explain. So, so for instance, what people are craving right now, it's so funny because these terms were like, you know, human to human relationships and authentic personal brands and build genuine authentic relationships. And what I know from the work that I did with people um, on a personal front is most human beings have not been taught what healthy relationships look like. Mm. As human beings, most human beings do not know what it means to be authentic. Like we assume these things are natural, but I know, especially from my generation, I, I kind of think younger generations have a leg up because yeah. my whole professional life, I was groomed to assimilate, to blend in, to play the game, to be the best at playing the game, to be professional meant to blend in and look like my buyer and to be comfortable for them, right? To be palatable. And so what it means to innovate now is to actually sh like break down those walls and to really be more and more of yourself in your marketing and sales activities. So, you know, if, if I, I always joke about this, like with some of my clients now, I'll go to lunch with them and we'll have the most vibrant, dynamic conversations. The language is colorful. We're talking about things that may not be the most appropriate. We're talking <laughs> about personal things, right? And then I go to this person's LinkedIn page and they're a talking head. And I'm like, if, I, if that was the person I met, I would have been bored to death, but that's not yes. really who you are, right? And so really right now, when we talk about innovation, it, it's right now the most disruptive thing you can do is to tear up your old definitions of professionalism and what it means to do sales and marketing and rewrite them and insert yourself into that definition. I think that's the most disruptive yes. thing. Yes, yes. I love it. The, like, the, like what we're talking about really is, is the, the liberation, the emancipation of self right it's it's our uniquenesses that bring us value and i listen i have i have been a script robot before okay guilty <laughs> um if you've been in sales for longer than a minute you have to most likely right i've done it in many different industries and then worse yet I, I i propagated those as as a as a trainer for years as a coach and, and the reality is is the best script that exists. And I'm not against scripts, by the way, again, I've written hundreds of them, but the best script that you can have is to actually understand what you just now said, right? The, your, who you really are, like, like no, really. Who you, re who you show up as in, in this moment, what actually makes sense for you in this moment? How should, that's how you should behave, not as like, oh, well, if they say this, hurry up quick, think of, of a comeback to, it's not about that. This is about authentic relationships. And it's hard to have that if you're not being authentic, like, you know, yourself. I yeah. love it. Thank you for, thank you for going there. And so um, things haven't always been lollipops and rainbows for, for Liz Simpson. You were <laughs> really, like a lot of us, I think we are, we're sparked to greatness by difficulty. I've, I've watched a lot of people, some people are making excuses right now in the midst of COVID-19. Others are rising. It's almost like they needed this moment to be great. And 
I know, I know that your story also reflects a difficult time that, that you were baptized in, you know, by fire. Mm-hmm. So can you, can, you, can you back up a little bit and share with us maybe what pushed you into, I don't want to say moving away from the assimilation part, but, but really the, the break-free moment that you had, you were, you were living in, in a not-so-good place. So I'll, I'll, I won't, I don't know, back up there and share with us that story and, and, how, and, and what came of that. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll say that I'm probably a very hard-headed, stubborn Taurus. I'm a high D personality type. So for those of you who can, someone can tell you something and you take it at face value and learn your lesson, kudos to you. I've had to be baptized by fire to figure out that I maybe need to <laughs> resort my direction. But um, yeah, so in, in college, um, I found myself in an unhealthy relationship and uh, running for my life. I lived in a domestic violence shelter for nine months with the Mm. infant daughter. Um, I say that I lived in a borrowed home in a borrowed bed um, and just a really difficult time in my life. And sales became um, a rescue for me because I had had an academic scholarship to a Big Ten university. I was that person my whole childhood. People just knew, you know, I was destined for success. And one decision really altered the course of my educational career. And so I was looking at how do I make a decent living without a college degree, right? Mm. And how do I prove myself worthy when I'm not, you know, crossing the graduation platform with my peers? And so sales became a place where my income and my performance was something that I could dictate and self-manage. And so I found myself in a sales career Um, many different things, high performer. I did everything from door-to-door, call center, uh, retail management, managing territories, life and health insurance agent, you name it. I was, I've like done it all in sales. And then um, very young, I guess like you can call it a quarter life crisis. uh, (laughs) (laughs) One of my girlfriends on my 30th birthday, she called me and she was one of my roommates after uh, living in a domestic violence shelter. And she was that person I used to dream to, like when I was in a dark place and, you know, as a single mother and just feeling unworthy to be um, the guide for this perfect, right, miracle child. And I used to dream of like, gosh, one day, this is what I'm going to do. And on my 30th birthday, she called me and she was like, I remember 10 years ago, you dreaming about what you've created right now. And she's like, you know, you're married, you have this beautiful blended family of the six figure household, you have your field sales career. She's like, it's just amazing to see what you've done. And she meant it as a good thing. And Donnie, I got off that call and I just, I was weeping. Like I was so miserable. And I was just like, is this what I worked for? Like, why, why this? And then for me, it was, my takeaway was, success is custom tailored to you. And I had been for 10 years in my sales career, chasing someone else's definition of success and climbing someone else's mountain. And when I found myself at the top, I was like, this, this is not what I want for myself. And so that was kind of the time where I just had to pause, you know, for me personally, as a single mom who had been in sales, I was always on, especially when I managed um, in field sales, the entire Texas territory was like, my, my cell phone was always on. I actually had anxiety. I had two phones and I was that person. I just avoided the phone because I was always on. And I never had time to pause and figure out who the hell are you? Like mm-hmm. over 10 years, who have you become? Yeah. What do you really want? What do you want your lifestyle to look like? 
what's your legacy? And so that kind of triggered me just starting to have those questions. Um, and then also realizing that if, if life is limited and, and if I could be here today and gone today, not just gone tomorrow, gone today, what do I need to achieve or what potential do I want to actualize to feel like my legacy was worth it? If you are looking to perfect the art and science of selling anywhere, I've got something for you. It's at thesalesclassroom.com. And when you go to thesalesclassroom.com, you're going to find the Sell Anywhere Classroom. Now, we have a free portion of that for you, which is the Sell at Home Survival Kit. And that is six video sessions and the ultimate guide and checklists of things that you need when you're selling from anywhere. That is absolutely free. And if you want to engage with us on a deeper level, you can go over there right now and take a look at thesalesclassroom.com. It has all the best stuff from this podcast and from my life practices in selling from anywhere. We'll see you there at thesalesclassroom.com. Come on. This is, this is so good. And, and by the way, listeners, like slow down for a minute, realize this, that if you're always on, you're basically in survival mode. And I don't care if your survival is, you know, a million plus, you know, per year, big home cars, it's still survival. If you're always on, you're in survival mode. And that actually competes against you thriving. You actually saying intentionally, here's, here's, here's what I want. And Liz, you, you did that. And you work with, with a lot of business owners, high-powered business executives and a lot of times I'm sure you see like I see that they've been like competing in what I call the unwinnable game mm -hmm. you're you're running at a pace that's set by someone else running towards goals that always change as you reach them it's a treadmill that doesn't it doesn't end how did you when when you saw that Liz like and you, and you said not what I want and I'm opting out can you, can you talk to us about how did, how did you opt out? Did you, what, did it start with figuring out what you wanted or didn't want? How did your plan work? Yeah. So again, stubborn, high D personality type. I make decisions in a heartbeat. So <laughs> once, once I've made up my mind, I, that's the easy part, right? It's, it's a living <laughs> with the decisions. So um, I met, so my first mentor, I believe in mentors and coaches and um, for myself, I went to an event, a speaker was there, he was on stage, and um, he offered a mentorship program, it's a crazy story, I was in a pilot reality show, but for that program, it was mentorship to launch your speaker career and to write a book, and ever since I was a kid, I knew I wanted to write and speak, so as he was talking, there was something inside of me that was like, yeah, I would really be interested in doing that, and so to take on the program, the timing overlapped with my busiest time of year, which was AEP when I was in Medicare sales. And so with our annual enrollment period, it's kind of like Christmas for a retail business. It's oh, like yeah. where you make your year, right? And so I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, then I can't do AEP. And so I made the decision to quit my job. Um, now, do no one do this like very stupid decision not only did I make the decision to quit my job I was too afraid to tell my husband and so 
I remember when I gave the resignation to my uh, sales manager at the time, and he literally was like, are you joking? Like he, at first he wasn't even going to take it because no one quits before AEP. Like, it's like, at least work these next 90 days and stack this cash and then quit your job. Um, but no, I, I jumped off the cliff. That's what I needed to do or, or I would have never done it. And so I jumped off the cliff. I left. Um, I hired, I think it was like four or five coaches at the time. I did everything. Like I had speaker training. I went on spiritual retreats for a week in Joshua Tree, California. Like I had to unlearn everything. I mean, I, I consumed over like 60 books in that time frame. Um, we have a Japanese tea garden where I live in Texas. I would literally just go with my MacBook and sit in the garden for a whole day and just think and think about my thoughts and journal. Like it just sounds very cliche, but I literally checked out um, for, I'd say about a good six months. Mm. Um, I'm married. I had two kids at the time. I have three now. So, I mean, I was still having to juggle that, but thankfully with sales, I still had commission and things coming in. And I just, I just had to check out to figure out who I was. I, I love when you said unlearn everything. So we, we homeschool mm. and, um, and we've had our kids in and out of school. We have eight children. I think I shared that with you. And there was, there was this, this process when we went on our really began to sell anywhere journey. When I started, we traveled different places every three months, but, um, my wife, when we pulled them out of school this time, she started something she, before she picked up a new program. We, we had pulled them out of school and we went through what she called de-schooling. Yes. And it was the scariest thing for me because like the, the, the reality is, is like, do we want to create the robots that the school was creating? And, and no, no offense, listen, no offense to whatever I believe in. I was a school teacher. I'm a, I believe in all that stuff, but 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 the idea is like we want to create lifelong learners who are self-motivated and self-educated and so like how do we how do we do that and school them through the world that we were traveling through and it actually started with first off surrendering what we thought mm -hmm. was right surrendering the like getting like not not allowing those patterns to be a program running in the background because if we just picked up another program we would have run at it with with, with the same mindset mentality like the results would have been diminished mm-hmm and, and by the way, Liz, this is, I'm kind of taking a long path, but I want to exit here and maybe allow you to <laughs> answer this question. But it's like, I, I find that most people out there, Liz, are looking for a method. Oh, I want more money. Let me find method. Method is this. I do method. Ugh. But the reality is, is if you don't actually take the time to go and do what you did, where you decompressed, you unlearned, figure out who you are, what the heck you actually want. And by the way, what we think we want usually is just echoes of what other people <laughs> have said that we should yeah. want. Yeah. Figure out what you want. And then like, well, what is it in me? Who are my people that I'm called to? And what are the gifts that are in me? Like all of these, there's all these elements that actually are, that, that are, that are connected to the deeper person, really what we're offering the world. But I, I guess like, as I'm doing that, like, have you also been the person that's gone for method? before you know, mindset motivation and all of those, the spiritual parts of that. And then how, like, how do you, how do you help the business owners that you work with to not just go for straight for the method, right? The, 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 the dash and grab, you know, of, of, of our world. How do you help people to, to actually have change that lasts? That's a great question. You know, so to, to answer the first part, yes, I was definitely the person who followed method. 
one of the reasons why I was very successful in corporate was I was highly coachable. I mean, no matter how long I was in sales, you could always mold me, mm -hmm. meaning that. So I would come in, you say, do it this way. Um, I'm initially very, uh, what is the word that they would um, use? Compliant, right? Mm -hmm. And then once I have it down, then that's when, you know, I'm a rebel without a cause and I'll mold it to how mm -hmm. I want it. And so I definitely look for method. Who's successful? How have they done it? Cool. I'm cool with following their method and then over time it'll naturally become my own. What's interesting though is as I unlearned everything myself, I was shocked by how much that accelerated my performance. I achieved feats as an entrepreneur that I would never have imagined in my sales career from deals that I was closing, um, from people that I was selling to, and it was because I had unlearned how you do one thing is how you do everything. Because yeah. I had spent time unlearning what I had believed about life and about myself and finding my own truth, I also challenged everything else that was provided at face value. So I was incredibly curious. Um, I say that I inhale books like it's the breakfast of champions. Like I don't read one book. I, I read tons of books. I want to read everything that someone has thought so that I can translate it. And so I noticed that people then wanted me around just because I thought differently. So like I was like their outlier. Um, and so what then happens now when I'm working with clients is I always say it's kind of like trying to force them to spinach. People want to work with me because they know the results I get. And because when they talk to me, my conversation sounds differently. But because they have not been on my journey, most times they're like, that's cool that you have self-awareness, but just show me the sales process. Mm -hmm. Like that, it's just natural human behavior. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that someone comes in and they want to hear about the other stuff. So we start with the sales process. But what they realize though, the little nuances that make what I do successful those things you you need a little bit of your own personality and authenticity to fill them in yourself so for it to be sustainable for it to become your process we have to have a positioning strategy and the best positioning strategy is flavored with the swag of your company of your culture of who you are and what you believe in and so all those things are going to start to feel empty um and also over time <clears throat> i have very um I, I'm very blunt and forward and, and I care about people. So I ask different types of questions of my clients. You know, I'm that person. I really understand what's going on with your family. What do you believe about yourself? You know, what's your legacy? What do you dream about? And so when you know those types of things about clients, I kind of challenge them on why aren't we doing those things? Or when I ask you to dream, you're struggling. And when you answer it, you're kind of giving me like this, you know, cereal box answer. What's up with that? And so I guess it's my long way of saying that people want the results first. They want what I've designed. They want my framework first. And it's through a relationship and um, through me being an example that over time people are like, you know what? I don't feel, I don't feel the freedom, right? I don't feel the fulfillment. And then we start to have those other conversations. Hmm. It is, it is interesting. I, I, I do think that we all naturally, right, we're drawn to a destination, right? We, and, and sometimes we know why, sometimes we don't know why, but we're like, I want to be here. I want to be here in my business. I want to be, and, and I laugh all the time because I would agree. I, n nobody, <laughs> nobody hires me to help them find their purpose. 
Yeah. But, but the reality is, is if you want ultimate productivity, it's gonna, it is going to come with you being uh, connected to that, that purpose, to that authenticity, to you know, my three favorite letters, the UBU, right? We've got to figure out what, what that is in the equation. And um, because ultimately, and, this, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, I believe that that's the only thing that is sustainable. Because I've gone in before, I've rearranged the furniture of someone's business or their mind or their, you know, like their processes, whatever. And what ultimately happens is they'll default back to what they already had because they never, I guess, unlearned, right? <laughs> to go back to your word before. So like, do you, do you, like, is, is that a saying? Like, is like, I don't know, like, is that what's sustainable? Is it sustainable to have something that's maybe not connected to the core of you um, when it comes to business or sales? It just depends on how large and disconnected someone is from the infrastructure of the company, I, I feel. Um, I've, I love that you said journey because one of my favorite quotes that helped me shift my perspective and I still use it with business owners today, Danielle Laporte says, the journey has to feel how you want the destination to feel. So if you hate this journey, if it doesn't feel good, don't think you're going to wake up one day and the destination feels any different. Um, and so that's kind of my benchmark, right? It's like, you know, entrepreneurship kicks my butt, but I love it. I have a thirst for it. You know what I mean? And, and so I love this journey. Um, but there are sometimes there are certain service offerings, don't get me wrong, where someone will show up and I'm like, okay, let me see if I can customize this. And then I'm like, you know what? I hate this journey. Nope. The destination's not going to feel good. I'm not interested. Um, and so that kind of becomes the litmus test for me. Um, but yeah, I do agree that, and that's one of the most frustrating things as a consultant and coach, being a high achiever is, um, I kind of joke, it's like, you know, when Jordan goes to coach, he's, he's not a good coach, right? Because he's, <laughs> because he's a high achiever and he's obsessed and he wants to be in the game himself. And that's one of the things I've had to challenge myself on in the beginning was, and that's also why when I first started, I did the work, like just bring me in, move out the way and I'll close the deals for you, right? Mm -hmm. And one, that's not sustainable. But then two, I realized, okay, I'm handicapping people because I'm not teaching them the tools and this isn't sustainable once I leave. Mm -hmm. But then now to your point, that's the other part of the equation is that if you're not building something that's in alignment with where you really want to be, no matter how much you invest, no matter how much we fine tune this thing, it's still not going to be sustainable if it's out of alignment with who you are. Um, now, there are some people who just want to build something to exit it. And that's when I would say they're just like, whatever, let's fine tune it. Let's bring in certain players. And I just want to exit. And if that's your goal, that might work. Okay. Yep. Nope. I, I've, uh, I would agree with that. <laughs> that is, that is um, I'm, I'm on my third page of notes already. This is, this is so <laughs> awesome. It's funny because the, the real reason why I do this podcast is so that I can get a free session with someone really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I get to hang out with cool people. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go um, into really the just the practice, the practical part, and I'll, we'll do a little bit in sales, a little bit with um, with leaders. But I, I want to stay in the same zone here where we're at. Mm -hmm. I'm a leader, right? I've got my team, and 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 I want to kind of just cram everyone down the same path. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm invested. Maybe I'm not. How, how, like when you see a team of people, like a, a leader with a team, 
what are the top ways, what, what are the top things that maybe that you see that people are doing wrong? And what are the ways that you see that they can usually engage their team more um, and, and move with more momentum as a group? Sure. So I think it starts with the leader. Um, the idea that let me just bring you in, you can get them in shape. And I'm going to focus on this more important area over here. Mm -hmm. um, that happens a lot. It's like, that's a fail. Um, because then they're going to follow me and I'm not here for long. Um, so, <laughs> so um, that's not the answer. Um, so one, it's really working with the leader and making sure they have a, a sound strategy. I'm, I'm very strategic. I'm obsessed with strategy. I was on a call with someone who follows me for a while and she said, one of the things I love about you is your systems have systems. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like I have a framework for everything. I'm very strategic. Um, if someone tells me, like, I'm like, why are we doing this? And so that's one of the first things It's what's the strategy? Why does it matter? Make sure you're clear on that strategy. Make sure we communicate that strategy because most leaders are not communicating enough. Um, communicate that strategy to get the buy-in. And then what exactly are the benchmarks? What are the KPIs? What needs to happen along this journey for us to achieve that desired outcome? And I have to say, Donnie, I, I wish I could say it's more complicated than that, but if everyone just followed that, then 90% of the work I would do would be much easier. There it is, your whole system. Now <laughs> nobody needs to pay you anymore, or me. That's right. Both out of work, Liz, you gave away the secret. Man. That's a life of leadership. That's so true though, that's so true. And I think the idea, right, is, is to, uh, to your point, even like the lesson you learned as an entrepreneur leaving corporate America is that you want to create a system. You don't want to be the system. And do you find a lot of leaders living in that world where they don't necessarily trust and let, let go and, and delegate or allow other people to move into the zone of, of hero? Yes. And, and I give them credit. So a lot of my clients, you know, I work with small business owners. Um, I work with larger clients too, but I admit I have a passion for a smaller business owner. So, you know, they might only be doing a few million and I call that the messy middle. Like mm. I, I want to breathe. Uh, I know I'm drowning. I want to delegate, but they're caught up in the doer seller of how do I delegate when I'm also client facing, I'm bringing in business, my reputation's on the line. So it's like this desire to, but they literally just cannot wrap their brain around how can someone else do this? And one of my, um, you know, I've, I spent over 13 years in corporate sales. I could definitely have on my bio how I closed hundreds of millions of dollars in my sales career. But I just, I just think that's, you know, frivolous, honestly. Um, and so one of the things I use is that I helped one small business owner close $2.3 million in 18 months. That was a very small business. I'm very proud of that. She'd had that firm for over 20 years, built her name. And her fear was she was a, a celebrity in her niche. You know, she had books and everything. And she thought no one else can sell for this business but me. Mm -hmm. I'm the person they trust. No one else can have these relationships. And I'll be really honest. Um, I, as, as this may not be politically correct, but um, I'm, I'm a go-getter, right? And I, I knew she was stuck and I was proving out my business model and I knew she was taking a risk. And I, I said, no one's filling your pipeline. Pipeline. I said, you need a dog in a fight. You need someone 
who has the skill set, but who has the grit and the will to go in there um, and build relationships. And so in the beginning, she was scared. And I was like, look, I, I was building out my new framework. This was in an early part um, of my career as a consultant. And I said, look, let me come in. We'll do commission for a period of time. Let's see how it happens. And to connect it to your remote life too, the reason why I was willing to do this is my third uh, child, I was pregnant with my baby um, and she's going on three and a half now. And I was pregnant with her. I had a very difficult uh, pregnancy and I had to let clients go. It was just really hard. I was on bed rest the majority of my pregnancy. And so now I'd had this baby <clears throat> and I was like, what am I going to do? Um, actually, no, I was pregnant at the time when I propositioned this to her. So she was like, cool, come in and do it. So, you know, built my system. I was like, cool, this is the perfect test for my system. And so I was literally at home in my office with the newborn, still breastfeeding and selling to CEOs and asset managers of large firms on the phone. Them right. not knowing I literally have this newborn on my lap that I'm breastfeeding as I'm Amazing. doing, well, right? I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm proposing on Zoom, I'm closing deals, and I closed $500,000 for her in new business within the first uh, 90 days of doing that from my home, breastfeeding my baby. And I was just, and that be like, that was miraculous for her. She was like, in 20 years, no one's come in and been able to do anything. And so that's what I use as kind of my like, my proof of like, I came in where there were no systems, where there was no proof, where someone thought the only person they could sell was their face. Um, and sold into, honestly, an industry that I really didn't have a background in. I was learning everything as I went and, and closed deals. And sometimes that's what entrepreneurs need. And, and no, I do not do commission-only engagements any, anymore. I've graduated myself, so please don't call me about that. But, um, <laughs> but um, sometimes it takes someone to see, like, proof of someone else can do this. Like, I can move out of the way. Um, and I believe the true merit of leadership is how many leaders you've developed. And that's really the mindset that a lot of entrepreneurs just need to take on. Love it. That is so cool. All right. Take us into, I'm, I'm going to go into Liz land. Okay. You are one of, you're, you rock LinkedIn. I mean, let's be honest, right? You do. What? should people be doing right now? So I want, like, if, if I'm a salesperson or I have a sales team, what should I be doing right now on LinkedIn? Sure, everything. Um, yeah. So the frame, <laughs> so speaking of systems, my system is prospects only care about outcomes. Yes. Um, so that P, if, if we were to go in sequential order, that first P really stands for positioning. So the most important thing and where I feel like 80% of businesses get this wrong is their positioning is not clear enough. They're not niched enough. Um, they don't understand their buyer well enough. They do not have messaging that really resonates with their buyer and that's more casual language. So first is positioning. You know, who do you serve? How do you qualify and quantify the cost of the status quo for your buyer? Um, you know, what's happening in their world? And then how do we take that language and make it really useful, um, casual, uh, conversational vernacular and questions for our buyer. So that's one. Then once you have that, that should be the documented strategy that aligns both sales and marketing. So sales and marketing both need to use that language. 
then we want to optimize your LinkedIn profile. So you, you got to have that positioning nailed down first. Then from there, it's optimizing your LinkedIn profile. It should not sound like a resume. It should speak to your ideal buyer. Um, you know, it's SEO rich. We don't have time to go through all this, but make sure you're optimizing every client facing team members LinkedIn profile to speak to your ideal buyer. Then from there, the C is for cadence. So then we want to develop a cadence for how we're creating relationships and creating opportunities. So, um, and that's not like the spamming, I'm selling someone a message <laughs> one, you know, you. Yes. <laughs> it's really about, okay, who are my buyers? What are they concerned about? What do I have to offer of value? And when someone um, reaches out to me and connects with me on LinkedIn, or when I connect with someone new on LinkedIn, how can I use video to say, hey, happy to connect with you. Let me know how I can be a resource. Or if you have value to offer someone, say, I have this, are you interested? One huge mistake is people say, I have this webinar, here's the link. Like, I didn't ask you for that, so I don't value it. Ask and then wait for them to no answer. Day. And if they say, yes, I'm interested, then send that over to them. Oh, so um, good. That's such, a, that's such a little nuance, but it makes a huge sure difference. I can't hear it anymore. does. It makes a huge difference. And then amplify is then really looking at your content. So once we've done the positioning strategy, it's really about aligning our sales process with the buyer's process. So what are the questions that they're asking? And this is perfect for people who really actually sell because all you have to do is look at your notes from sales conversations for what they're asking, what you're providing them, and now just systematize that. And so Amplify is really about our content strategy. So what type of content are we posting? So on LinkedIn, if you post 20 times a month, you're ahead of the curve. Only 1% of people are consistently posting on LinkedIn, which is why the algorithm is second to none. Um, so that's the thing is really developing thought leadership and being known as a subject matter expert instead of a salesperson. If you're a salesperson or a business development professional, I would not use that on my language on LinkedIn. The only reason I use it is because I'm selling sales services to non-sales people, right? Mm. But if I was a salesperson, my profile would not read salesperson and how I crush quotas and I'm mm. just like, that would not be what my profile speaks to because that's not what my buyer is trying to hear. And what then would, the final, go say, ahead. What would you say if you're a sales or a BDR? I would speak to the problem that my buyer is looking for. So what are they looking for? What problem are they looking to solve? And I would really position myself as the problem solver for that. Really, almost like a consultant, if you will. Um, so I would want to be really a wealth of knowledge on that problem, publishing content about new insights on that, books that I'm reading, you know, I would really be a trusted resource for whatever that niche problem I solve. So good. That is so good. Well, yeah, this, Liz, this is, this has been so much fun. I literally could go for a whole nother hour. And so like, I, like we need to, there's no question. Can you give us just one final um, little shot in the arm on the way out to tell us why it's okay now? Like why, 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 we, why things are good right now? And um, tell us where we can find you, Liz, because I want people to absolutely connect with you. You're such a powerhouse. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, I always remind myself and my clients that we're in the business of people. Um, and so right now, regardless of if your buyer's buying right now, if they're holding off on budgets until later, or if they are actively buying, 
the most important thing you can do right now is increase visibility because everyone's consuming more edutaining content, right? Content that's educational, but that's also a bit entertaining. And that's naturally what you'll deliver if you let your true self shine, as cliche as that sounds. So really leverage this time to increase content um, and to build uh, proximity with your ideal buyer. I'd say that's really one of the most important things that you can do, as well as for those that you have relationships with, past existing clients, potential clients. Now's the time to plant those seeds um, while we're in winter. Love it. Love it. Love it. I agree. I love it. Donnie Tuttle approves. This is so cool. This has been great. Liz, where can we find you? I know you have some great resources that are out there for anyone who wants to um, get a little bit more. Where can we find you? The best place is just look Liz J. Simpson on LinkedIn. Everything's right there. Let's connect. Thank you, my friend, for joining us on the Sell Anywhere podcast, where if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere, and your talent is not limited to your zip code. I want to tell you right now, just go into the show notes or go to thesalesclassroom.com, and you're going to find more. You're going to get that free home selling survival kit that we told you about, as well as other ways to interact directly with me, your host, Donnie Tuttle. And if you just want to drop me a line, tell me that you like something or suggest someone for the show, find me on DonnieTuttle.com or go to my LinkedIn. I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. So great hanging with you and we will catch you on the flip side.